This is an ABC podcast. What's Australia best known for? Venomous creatures? Football with weird rules? What about space exploration? I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Occam's Razor, a soapbox for science. This week, we're hearing from Ali Buchberger, who says Australia is perfectly poised to find its own place in space. Where were you on the 20th of July, 1969? When, with more than half a billion people watching on television, Neil Armstrong climbs down the ladder of the lunar module, plants the first human foot on another world, and says those famous words, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Chances are, if you were around then, you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing. In a world where tensions between the US and the USSR were high and the Cold War was heating up, this singular moment captured the collective achievement of thousands of brilliant scientists and engineers. We understood what humankind can achieve when we push the boundaries of human endeavour. In that most challenging of times, this was what hope looked like. There are only a handful of moments like that in human history, and it's going to happen again. Three years from now, the first woman and the first person of colour will walk on the moon. As a global community, we will establish a sustained human presence on the lunar surface, a new moon base. We'll do things like learn to extract oxygen from moon dust and water from lunar ice to use for rocket fuel. Then we will use what we learn and take the next giant leap, sending the first astronauts onto Mars. Now, as you've probably guessed, I'm a bit of a space nut. People used to say this behind my back. Now they say it to my face, which I call progress. Admittedly, I have way too many NASA T-shirts and caps in my wardrobe, and I do speak a little bit of Klingon. Whilst I love that Apollo moment, the next moon landing is going to be different for Australia because it's not about Australians watching US astronauts and waving NASA flags. Because Australia too has become a spacefaring nation. Australia is going to the moon. Now we're not going to put a human astronaut on the moon because let's face it, space isn't made for humans. In Australia, we build really great robots. Robots that have driven our resources sector and helps humans stay out of harm's way in the toughest places on Earth. We're going to the moon with a robotic explorer. So this is what our moon mission is going to look like. Sometime from 2026, an Australian-made rover bearing an Australian flag will ride to the moon on a commercial lunar lander. It will then deploy and egress down a ramp and slowly, gingerly, with the guidance of a team on the ground back here at home, it will begin to explore and find its way around. Its target will be lunar regolith, or moon dust. And once it finds a good deposit, it will start to collect this dust and broken rock and then transport it to a NASA instrument, carving a path back and forth, learning its way, 
And by the end, our clever little rover will be able to find its way almost without our help. And as for the regolith we collect, the NASA instrument will take this and try to extract oxygen. And together we will do this for 14 Earth days or one lunar day, after which the sun will set on the lunar surface and our mission will be complete. If Australia and NASA succeed, we will know that human beings have a chance of surviving and living on the lunar surface. Naturally, the Naki naysayers have raised their doubts. Australia's never been to the moon, they say. We have no space heritage. Shouldn't we just use an American or Japanese rover and, you know, add a few Australian components? Thumbs up, Naki naysayers, I say. You're right. It's going to be really hard. Really, really hard. Because the moon is not just hostile and unsafe, it's inhospitable. We're talking radiation 200 times Earth that fries your avionics. There's no atmosphere, just an exosphere, which means light is different. There's no wind, so rocks have never been weathered. So if Rover meets rocks, it's like goodbye Rover. And then think temperature variations of 300 degrees. What would happen if you put your car in a big microwave and then plunged it straight into dry ice? And then there's the dust. Super fine, charged moon dust that sticks to everything. It clouds your camera so you can't see where you're going. But, you know, as President Kennedy said of Apollo, we're not choosing to do this because it's easy, but because it's hard. Space is there, he said, and we're going to climb it and the moon and the planets are there, and new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. As we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. Personally, I put more faith in science than in God, but I am a huge believer in grand adventures. And I believe Australia's grand adventure will succeed because we have some of the world's most brilliant scientists and engineers. We also have incredible terrestrial heritage in things like remote operations, field robotics and autonomous systems, which have driven our resources, agriculture and defence sectors for the past decade. In Australia, we're great at innovation. We have a thriving startup sector and increasing space policy and budgetary certainty, which will boost capital flows to our space industry. Australia is right time, right place for space 2.0, the commercial space race. Now, in the popular media, this is very much portrayed as the billionaire's space race. It's like Elon, Richard and Jeff, and they're like, hey, you know, I've made a mozza here on Earth. Now I'm out of here. See you on Mars. But this actually couldn't be further from the truth. Elon Musk has raised capital for SpaceX in exactly the same way as any founder of a venture-backed business would. SpaceX is backed by 64 investors and has raised $7.7 billion over 63 rounds of investment. He hasn't just done like A to C raises, he's done the whole alphabet three times. And there's no reason, therefore, why the world's next great space company can't be built right here in Australia. We've got the talent too to back it all up. Our universities are among the best in the world producing some of the best and brightest future space workers. As I see it, we've got nothing to lose by trying, but 
got a whole lot to gain. Space exploration will enrich our knowledge of the universe and help us develop new technologies to improve life here on Earth. I think of those days, well, pretty much every day, Monday to Friday, when I have to get my kids to school by 9am and it's like 10 to 9, like, kids, five minutes, we've got to be there, get your shoes on. And thank the lucky stars that NASA invented Velcro. This mission will also create a huge number of companies and thousands of new jobs, cool jobs, like building the next moon buggy or the next space station or creating health solutions to help people survive in space. Because let's face it, if we're living on the moon 10 years from now, we'll need to know how to brew beer in space. And if we make it to Mars, which we will, this will lend a whole new angle to contemporary Australian cuisine. I never met Neil Armstrong, but I have been fortunate to spend some time with Buzz Aldrin. And I once asked him what he loves about space. And his response was, when you're in space, you look down at the earth. Just one planet. Just one human race. Space gives you a unique perspective. It gives you the chance to do things that help humanity leap forward. Australia is about to take its first small steps on the moon with an Australian-made rover. And from there, we'll go to Mars. That was Ali Bookberger, a space commercialisation expert from Queensland University of Technology, speaking at our Occam's Razor live event at ABC Brisbane in March. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll be launching yet another scientist into your feed again next week. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.